0: Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, and observations of life written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. I'm Peter Jay. Join us now as we share and enjoy musings and moments as told by the authors themselves. Our writers today...
1: Hi, I'm Sue Wade. Hi, I'm Bill Wiley.
2: Hello, I'm Kathy Salzberg. Hello, I'm Pat Winiarski. Hi, I'm Sue Bliven.
3: Hi, I'm Alice Judge. Hi, I'm Joe Ewald.
4: Hello, I'm Faith Flaherty.
0: Thank you all for bringing your stories and joining us today. And as always, with us to guide our readings, Sue Wade.
5: Oh, thank you very much. I think we were going to discuss how this whole thing got started.
0: Absolutely. I want to do that. So we're going to go back, 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 back in time.
5: Yes. um, It was probably about eight years ago when I came back from a trip I had been starting writing and felt that it was important that we get together to do writing. And I went to Karen, who is the director of the Senior Center, and asked her if we could start a writer's group. And she agreed, and that's how we all got started. We picked up a spot and time and got started writing with a small group, and it's just grown over the years.
0: So you pull the wool over Karen's eyes, and all of this is your fault.
5: I'll take credit for it. It's all my fault. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Throughout the program, we'll probably get an opportunity, I think, to explore like, how each of you came, what motivates you, et cetera, and it'd be nice to have that discussion while we go through all of our stories. Speaking of stories, what's our first one?
5: Our first reader
4: is Faith Flaherty. Yay, Faith. Except I'm not writing a story. This is an essay. Ah. Ah. Yes. And it's called, That's the Story of Love. Alice and Ted had a hard life. Both worked in the same factory, but in opposite shifts so that one of them would always be home with their four children. They lived check to paycheck. They paid the Christmas bills when they got their tax refund. They never went on vacation because they chose to spend their money on their children. And they provided for their children as best they could. They would not have thought themselves deprived in any way because everybody was happy, and they made a happy home. Even the day when their youngest daughter, Debbie, brought home her girlfriend, who had been thrown out of her house, their friend's mother chose her new boyfriend over her own 18-year-old daughter. Alice and Ted opened their home to her, too. They made it work. Life goes on. Ted died when he was 65. He never retired and worked and enjoyed his children and grandchildren. Without Ted, Alice felt her home was too big and empty. She moved in with her daughter, Debbie, and helped care for their children. Somehow, Alice also found time to do what she liked. She knit, she read, and she played cards. She did what she chose to do. At age 70, Alice started to forget. She couldn't be trusted to drive a car. She forgot she left the stove on. Dementia was taking over. Then Alice contracted pneumonia. She never really recovered. She was bedridden and needed constant care. Poor Alice, who once was so active, was now completely dependent on others. Alice was placed in a nursing home near her daughter. Debbie visits her mother every lunch hour and has tea with her. After work, she, sometimes her brothers and sisters, visit Alice. They all try to smile and make sure Alice is happy and felt loved in whatever world she is living in. Debbie's sister is a hairdresser, and she cuts and styles Alice's hair. All Alice's children make sure she is dressed to the nines. The grandchildren burst in the room with their happiness and love and joy, too. Alice is happy. One day, Debbie's husband asked her why she and her brothers and sisters even bother. Alice doesn't know one day from another. Debbie simply responded by saying, My brothers and sisters and I went to bed every night knowing that we were loved. My mother deserves to feel the same way now.
3: Very good.
5: Excellent. Excellent.
3: Bravo. <laughs> Beautiful.
6: Bravo. That always brings tears Me to Me too, eyes. the first time when I read yeah. it. it was <laughs> especially, yeah. I, I, is I couldn't
4: finish
0: it. <laughs> well, it speaks to the notion of what it is uh, in that very flowery passage that people tend to read at weddings, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, what, what yeah. love yeah, is. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. everybody always likes to be on the receiving end of that. Very few people are prepared to be on the giving end of that, you know, without expectation. Sue, who's next?
5: Our next reader is
3: Joe Ewald. Hi, I'm Joe Ewald. Before I start, I would like to say this story is only an exposure of the author's personal views. That being said, the name of my story is This Side of Paradise— When I was growing up as a kid, all Easter meant to me was waking up on Sunday knowing that the Easter Bunny, just like Santa, had come through again. (laughs) I always received the traditional Easter basket with its usual contents, jelly beans, chocolate Easter eggs, and my favorite, which was the different colored eggs. Sometimes on Easter, we included an Easter egg hunt, which with my many other siblings joining in, I always seemed to finish pretty close to the last rung on the ladder. (laughs) I didn't really mind so much as long as I had a slice of the pie, which I got in my bunny basket. I didn't get the other side of Easter, which was Jesus dying for our sins until I was much older. Easter Sunday is the ending of the beginning, when Jesus was born and then walked his 33 years on this earth, and then on Good Friday, he was crucified on a cross at 3 p.m. on Calvary Hill. To me, Jesus showed me how to die. He definitely had a death moment that we all do when he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? That taught me that even if Jesus, who had his doubts about his father, was still forgiven by him to experience the resurrection of the body and life everlasting, amen. The last part of that is from the Apostles' Creed. It taught me to have faith in God because if you are truly sorry about your trespasses, you will be forgiven. I find it funny and ironic that people that didn't find God because they didn't look for him in the first place, all of a sudden on their deathbed, because of their fear of dying, They are finally, in the last minute, looking for God. I have done some serious thinking about death and what lies beyond, and I have come to the conclusion that we all suffer here on earth, some more than others. To me, the toughest part of suffering is the unexpected loss of a loved one. It is not hard to think, if there is a God, why did he let this happen? Or, if your life isn't going right and you're not happy, you play the blame game on God. God allows bad things to happen in our lives only because the reward is so great in paradise. Where being with Jesus creates an eternity with God, where you will also be reconnected to those you love. If we have faith in God and we use our individual gifts to help out other people in need, if we all came together, this world could be definitely on this side of paradise. Happy Easter to everyone.
4: That's what you meant by this side yeah. of paradise. <laughs> Very <timely laughs>
5: joke.
3: Yeah, you're like, yeah, I, I got this side yeah. of paradise from because I'm an F. Scott Fitzgerald freak. Uh, that was his first novel, was This Side of Paradise, oh. and it was a bestseller, big time. You know, The Great Gatsby didn't become famous until 30 years later. Yeah, mm. yeah it was in a warehouse. All, all the books were in a warehouse. I think you know the story. Scribner yeah. and Sons. Right, right. Yeah they, uh, yeah, they didn't sell for like 30 mm. years, and all of a sudden, it's one of the best books of all time. They use it in colleges and high schools. Yeah. An right?
0: idea whose time finally came.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's just my personal views. It's just an exposure. I'm not trying to convince yeah. anybody. It's just mm-hmm. I like to, to write about how I feel. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. This is all good. This is all good stuff. Right. Because it comes from the heart. And if you right. Open your heart, you know. Get you to your best writing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank yep. you. Right. Because it's all about having a heart. Mm-hmm. Money is essential, but it's not the only thing. Right. Like and it's ruining the world today. So I maybe. just had a wave of wanting to be really ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody likes money, <laughs> big time.
5: Well, you need a certain amount of it. Yeah, yes. you do. It's nice and to have.
3: It
6: come in handy when you have to pay the branch and right. the yeah.
3: bills. Yeah, you you can't let it get
0: control of you. Mm. I am still buying that Powerball ticket tonight.
6: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I yeah. thought
5: maybe I would today yeah,
7: too. There you go. Yeah. Right.
5: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you never
7: know. No. You, you never,
0: never
5: know. know. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Our next reader is Alice Judge. Hi, I'm Alice Judge.
6: Uh, My story, coincidentally, uh, is kind of on the theme we just talked about, how I started in writing. My uh, title is Dream at Any Age. It was the first performance of The Nutcracker that season, for my daughter's ballet company, after which there was a catered gala with family, friends and patrons of the art enjoying a pay-as-you-go bar, everyone in their fancy clothes. With Diet Coke in hand, I was flitting from each small group like a bee pollinating spring flowers. I did like parties." The show had been wonderful, the young dancers were beautiful in their colorful gowns at the gala, and everyone appeared to be having a good time. While flitting, I came across an acquaintance I knew. She and I had been in several volunteer organizations through the years, but she wasn't anyone I would call to go out for coffee with, if you know what I mean. I was very excited about my life at that time, and the woman just happened to ask me the right question. So, what's new, she asked. I had just decided to be a writer. Toward that goal, I was like a tornado, building up steam with each writer's workshops and classes, becoming stronger and stronger My intent to reach the mainland in a crescendo. Looking back at that night, I must have been insufferable. So in love, so in love I was with being a writer. When the woman had a chance to speak, she said, My, you have so many dreams for someone your age. I didn't get the catty remark. I didn't blink. Yeah, I said, enthusiastically going on about how I was going to write a novel. I had found my destiny. The woman, I think, was happy to get away from me, (laughs) and the next day, thinking about our conversation, I realized what she had said. I should tell you at this juncture that I am very sensitive, and people hurt my feelings easily, but when I realized what she said, I only felt sorry for her, sorry that she didn't have dreams like I did, and I asked the universe to give her some. I never saw the woman again until years later when I saw her obit in the newspaper. She was younger than I, and thoughts of that time so long ago came back to me. I prayed that she indeed
0: had found a dream.
3: Very good. Oh, nice. That was, that was nice. Very nice.
8: Yeah.
0: Boy, that is true. For lack of a vision, the people perish.
8: Absolutely. Yeah. I guess I'll be here for a long time. <laughs> Oh. It's changing. I'll be here forever.
5: Yeah, exactly. I think you need to have dreams in order to you be, gotta, be to creative.
6: creative. Looking back on that, I was so bold. It really was. I was a tornado. <laughs> and Good I, on you. <laughs> and uh, I went on... I thought, well, why don't I teach adult ed creative writing? And I did. I started with the adult ed in Hanover at the time I lived in Randolph. Mm -hmm. And then one night, coming home from a snowstorm, I decided that perhaps that was too far away. So I did start uh, at the Braintree adult ed, and every spring and fall, I did that for seventeen years, wow. and I really come alive when I talk about my writing. I had a good ride, yeah, and surprisingly, I got a pension out of that because wow. I worked wow. for the school system and all of a sudden, I one day, I, I got a check from them, and I thought, wow. Of course, they had paid me for the sessions.
0: Um, well, there's the money thing again. They're trying to yeah. ruin you. <laughs> <laughs>
5: well,
8: we shall be moving on. Our next reader is Sue Blevin. I'm, I wrote something the other day. It's first time in ages. A spider's harp. It was a very cold, windy, snowless day in February... I was looking out the window at the wind blowing a leafless shrub around. The sun was bright and my eyes were drawn to something glittering in the branches of the shrub. A spider web was catching the sunlight and the wind was making the strands move. My eyes perked open as I realized the effect was that of a harp played by nature's amazing musicians, the wind and the sun. I was mesmerized as I watched this little concert and my imagination started to get the better of me. Tiny little spiders dressed in tuxedos and beautiful gowns were performing and the music came lilting through the glass pane. I leaned forward with my chin on my hands, closed my eyes, and listened to the music of my imagination. What seemed like hours, really was just seconds, I opened my eyes and the concert was quiet. The sun had moved and the wind had shifted. The concert was over.
3: Very good, that's
8: awesome.
3: Well done. Do Lo- say- Love the visuals. Yeah, yeah that was great. I was going to say, was great. Do you think the form that you could put it
4: in would make it a
3: narrative poem? That was really good. Yes. Thumbs up. Big time.
0: The spiders provided the muse. Uh, yeah, well, I,
3: absolutely. I like the part about the earth and the wind mm. and the sun. You know, with the concert th- mm. um, concert theme? That's, that was great.
8: That's my native blood, you
3: That was a nice spin on things. Excuse the pun. Spider. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> see, see, ha- see how he did that? <laughs> uh, <wrong>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get lucky once in a while.
0: <laughs> okay, right, write that down, Sue. That's one for Joe. Okay, <laughs> <one> for Joe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Scratch one up. <laughs> okay,
2: our next reader is... Pat Winosky Hello, my name is Pat Winiarski. The title of my essay is Simplicity quote, That man is richest whose pleasures are cheapest End quote. Henry David Thoreau. Unfortunately, I cannot tell Henry David Thoreau how extraordinarily rich I am, which is too bad. As he found peace and contentment, viewing a tranquil Walden Pond with its changing, yet always magnificent scenery throughout nature's seasons, I, too, exult in the majestic resplendence of nature. Solo walks, regardless of the season, create a state of happiness and well-being within me. The warmth of the renewal of life in spring The multi-hued loveliness of flowers in summer, the kaleidoscope of colors in autumn, and the quietness of diamond-top snow in winter provide the setting for reflection and meditation. Laughter erupts from my heart if an errant turkey crosses my path, or an elegant yellow and purple-bearded iris unexpectedly pops up in front of me, standing tall as if to say, look at our beauty. Contentment falls upon me as I drive along country roads. The enchanting loveliness of the meadows, the swishing tails of grazing horses, and the echoing of bleeding sheep create joyous moments and tranquil smiles. Peace, contentment, and well-being define my happiness By adopting a life lived simply and delighting in small, unadorned joys. Henry David Thoreau was on to something.
4: Mm -hmm. Very well read. The diction is excellent. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Good
3: That was very, very good. Yeah, you you read that extremely well.
2: Yes, you
0: did. Thank you. That was great. Pat, welcome to the group and a great start. Oh,
2: thank you.
3: Thank you. I I won't say beginner's luck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She is
5: not a beginner. (laughs) She's far from being a beginner. Pat is not always with us because she's off visiting... Colorado. Colorado, yes. She's a frequent flyer. (laughs) (laughs) Our next reader is Kathy Salzberg. You know
7: I usually write about animals, cats and dogs. So this is a, a change of pace. The name of this one is... Oh, rats. <laughs> Political opponents customarily spend a lot of time swapping scandalous charges and calling each other unflattering names. In some of these put-downs, they use animal names to denigrate their opponents or cast someone in an unflattering light. They're not the only ones. We've heard other people use the word dog mostly about men who are always on the lookout for willing females, or for that matter, unwilling ones. But that's another story, isn't it? Other creatures also come to mind when you want to insult someone. A skunk, a snake, a weasel, for example. But I think the one most commonly used to disparage another is to call a person a rat. In the criminal underworld, a rat is a stool pigeon who spills the beans on his cohorts. Rats are also associated with dirt and garbage as they scurry around doing whatever rats do. Years ago in Boston, the famous construction project known as the Big Dig displaced these rodents by the score. To the dismay of the tourist industry, rats could be seen hot-footing it down the sidewalks as they went about their daily business. Rats probably arrived as stowaways on the Mayflower, but you'll find no respect for their lineage here. (laughs) Let's face it, nobody wants to be called a rat. I became aware of the rat's poor public image because of a pet we once had at the village groomer. Its name was Nigel, and it was a rat. Nigel first appeared in the shop's backyard, a cute blue-and-white youngster who approached our groomers as they were taking a break at an outdoor picnic table. The rat baby seemed quite tame as it sat up like a prairie dog, begging for crumbs. Our animal-loving staffers recognized it as a domestic rat, the same species as the dreaded Rattus norvegicus, but selectively bred in captivity for looks and personality. An escapee from the nearby bird and reptile store, Nigel had been a featured entree on the menu for some big snake's dinner. Since we were less than adept at determining its sex, it was not immediately apparent that Nigel was a girl rat. Not that she started wearing nylons or polishing her little rat nails. (laughs) (laughs) But once she got bigger, we looked a little closer, then let out a collective, duh. She took up residence in a glass tank in the back room, keeping a watchful eye on the groomers as she lounged in her hammock. She learned to come when called and loved to ride around on our shoulders. While most of our customers found her marginally cute, some shuddered at the sight of her sitting on my shoulder as I rang up sales on the cash register. Maybe it would help if we docked her tail, one groomer suggested, kind of like a Jack Russell terrier. Nigel was especially fond of Annie, a gifted groomer and longtime employee who never met an animal she didn't like. Although some customers would recoil in shock, it became a common sight to see Nigel pop her head out of the pocket in Annie's smock. Nigel was a fuss budget about her quarters, compulsively washing her hands in the water dish and tirelessly shredding paper to make up her bed. Watching her stack her treats in the back corner of her den made me realize where the term pack rat originated. I grew to love her little chirps of excitement and the way she asked to be picked up by standing on her hind legs as her paws reached up for me. But once the newness wore off, it became obvious that Nigel's environment wasn't stimulating enough. She started to let herself go, growing chubby and bored. Who knew a rat could be high-maintenance? Because they are so intelligent, Pet rats suffer if they don't get enough attention. They need at least an hour of playtime outside their cages each day. They experience stress in new surroundings, sometimes turning aggressive or shy. Some lack social skills when meeting new people. I can relate. I'm kind of like that myself. Many rat babies called kittens are snatched from their mothers too early because they are more marketable when they are young and cute sort of like teenage movie starlets cast opposite leading men old enough to be their grandfathers. Serious rat fanciers suggest, yes, there are some, seeking out a good breeder when choosing a rat for a pet. They advise that when you visit the breeder's home, it's a good idea to meet both rat parents. Who knew there were backyard breeders in the rat subculture? There are also rat rescue organizations dedicated folks who probably hear the same lame excuses that us groomers do when people no longer want the pets. My kids won't take care of it. I'm going to have a baby. I've been transferred overseas, and my rat can't get a visa. (laughs) According to a rat information sheet I downloaded from the Internet, Nigel probably felt socially deprived. Solitary rats can become clingy, introverted and neurotic. Rats kept in pairs or groups are happier and more confident. It suggested a trip to a rat show where one can observe plenty of extroverted members of the species enjoying the company of their ratty friends. Who knew rats love to party? It made me wonder if they have dating services for rats. <laughs> Vivacious vermin, warm and attractive seeks her male counterpart for long scurries along the beach, midnight cheese snacks, and more. A significant other for Nigel might be just what the doctor ordered as long as he's sterilized. According to this fact sheet, male rats are hot-blooded. They never need Viagra. But Nigel remained single, eventually moving to larger digs at my daughter's house where she enjoyed rocking to the oldies in conversing with Rosie the cockatiel and Albert the African gray parrot. Missy installed a state-of-the-art rat gym and probably combed the catalogs for tiny spandex workout clothes. For all <laughs> I know, she may have looked into getting Nigel her own personal trainer. After a few months, we were all saddened when Nigel developed a malignant tumor and the vet advised us she would not last much longer. She had livened things up at the shop, and we were privileged to know her. Now I wince when I hear the word rat, used as the world's nastiest insult. At the village groomer, one of our best friends was a rat.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching. As always, you've made us laugh.
3: Uh-huh.
5: I didn't and know was very sarcasm
3: saying. at its best. <laughs>
1: Are
5: those things true? Yeah. I know, I make up a lot of stories,
1: but that one was no, true. That's true. All right, our next reader is Bill Wiley. Hello, I'm Bill, and my poem today is about spring. Spring is here at last. Winter is a thing of the past. No more bitter cold days, just bright and sunny all the way. Gone are the piles of snow, happy to see them go. Slipping on ice no more. Heavy clothes I once wore. Gloves and hats I cast. Now just a thing of the past. Clean up the yard is my goal. The sun warms my heart and soul. The flowers begin to grow. This beauty around me does show. So spring, come on, bring it on. The light of a new dawn. A new season begins. With spring you'll always win. I watch as the last days of winter fade. Spring, it's made in the shade.
4: Here, here. That
1: hey. was good, Bill. Yeah, very good. That was, apropos. that was really good. Nicely done. Yes, that was good.
5: Absolutely.
3: Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. You bet.
5: And I'm also going to follow in with the spring theme, musing out the window here at what is going on with the weather and stuff. The sun is shining in a crystal blue sky with no cotton candy clouds. A faint breeze blows the scent of newly grown grass and flowers. The birds sing early each morning, calling for mates and notifying the world that he is awake and happy. The day is slightly warmer than the day before. Winter clothes are shed for lighter jackets and sweaters. The colors become lighter, dark blues and greens for pale yellows and pinks. The crocuses begin to raise their heads of yellows and purples. We smile at the signs of spring. Spring, a time of renewal and rebirth. We feel refreshed and ready for the new season. Easter. Patriots Day with the Boston Marathon and the Red Sox game are things that we are looking forward to and celebrate. The dark of winter no longer with us. We can start to sit outside and enjoy warmer weather and friends. So welcome to spring.
3: Very good. Good. Very nice. Nice, Sue.
0: Indeed, we are all enjoying the wave of optimism that comes with this time of year. Yay, us. Yes. yes. I actually followed in the same vein as uh, Bill Wiley and Sue. I'm writing about spring. Tis spring, tis spring, a warming thing, as flowers bloom and birds take wing. Yay, my very favoriteest ever equinox has come and gone. Thank you. My creaking bones dance such as they can with boundless joy. There are some equinox quirks and oddities to note. Equinox is Latin for equal night. However, that actually happens earlier. Day and night are not exactly equal on the equinox. Because the sun is a disk and not a tiny point, and because of atmospheric refraction, thank you, Mr. Science, those of us in mid-latitudes get about an extra eight minutes of daylight on the equinox. For the exact day-night split, we have the lesser-known equilux, or equal light, which happens about two days before the vernal equinox and a couple of days after the autumnal equinox. Just saying. (laughs) The equinoxes, exes, whatever the plural is, are the only two days during the year when the sun rises exactly east and sets exactly west. In Ojai, California, also known as the self-proclaimed magnetic center of the universe the main street runs precisely east and west for three straight long miles sunrise and sunset shine very dramatically for about a minute along its entire length been there squinted at that on the equinox just saying the vernal equinox is a celestial marker to determine the date for easter In 325, the council at Nicaea determined that Easter would be celebrated on the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after the vernal equinox. Got that? (laughs) Oh, and if the full moon falls on a Sunday, Easter gets pushed back another week. Just saying. At the equinox, the sun crosses the Earth's celestial equator to enter the northern hemisphere. I say we should spend summer posting no trespassing signs all along the equator so the sun can't slip back to the southern hemisphere this fall. (laughs) Just saying. Just
7: saying.
0: Uh, You (laughs) You did a little research. I was was the geeky guy. A little research. Science! (laughs) If you have a great story, join us. Tell it. Share it. Write it for all to enjoy. If you'd like to join our Senior Center writers, just call the Senior Center at 508-520-4945. We'd love to have you sit in with us. For all of our writers...
5: Hi, I'm Sue Wade. Bill Wiley. Kathy Salzberg. Pat Winiarski. Sue Blivin. Amela
0: Strudge. Joe Ewald. Faith Flaherty. Thank you all for being with us here on Senior Story Hour and sharing in today's stories. Again, for all of today's writers, I'm Peter J. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaningful experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR.